Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. I've got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. Um, one that I have been anticipating for a long time. Uh, we're being joined today by Matt Parker, who is the athletic director and head baseball coach at Eastern Oklahoma State College. Uh, Matt and I have been trying to get on a podcast for a while and for one reason or another just haven't haven't been able to work our schedules out Um but we have him here today, which I'm very, very excited about. So Coach Parker, again, is the head baseball coach at Eastern Oklahoma State College, a junior college in Wilburton, Oklahoma. I'll give you a background on Coach Parker before we jump into questions with him. And I think for any of you out there who just enjoy listening to a, a successful coach and uh, and like to kind of hear the blueprint about how things are built, how things uh uh, get put in place. I think you're really going to like this one today. So Coach Parker played collegiately at Lyon College, an NAIA school in Batesville, Arkansas. He graduated from there in 2005 from a very successful team. He started his coaching career in 2006 as an assistant coach at Henderson State University, a Division II school in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. He then, um, in 2007 and 8, spent two years as an assistant coach at Garden City Community College, a junior college in Garden City, Kansas and then went out to California for three years to be the recruiting coordinator in 2009 through 2011. He was the recruiting coordinator at Cal Baptist. At that time, it was an NAIA program in Riverside, California. They have since uh, transitioned to be a Division I school. Uh, so if you've heard of Cal Baptist, it's the same place, even though it was an NAIA at that time. While he was there, the 2010 team set the school record by winning 49 games. They were ranked as high as number three in the NAIA polls that year. They went to the NAIA World Series. And in the three seasons that he was at Cal Baptist, they had uh, six draft picks off of those teams. He then went and spent seven seasons as the head coach at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, an NAIA school in Bartles, uh, Bartlesville, Oklahoma. He was there for seven seasons. They had a winning record all seven years. Um, all seven years, they won at least 30 games. Six times, they won at least 40 games. And three times, they won more than 50 games, which is unbelievable if you follow college baseball. Um, to win 50-plus games three out of seven years is incredible. Uh, in the 2014 season, they set the school record by winning 58 games. They finished 58-8 and eight that year. The 58 wins led all of college baseball that year. Um, at any level. They had 29 consecutive wins during that season, which was a school record. Uh, pretty incredible. So in the seven years he was at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, Coach Parker compiled a, a record of 325 wins to only 111 losses. They had several teams ranked in the top 10 in the NAI while he was there. 65 all-conference players in seven years. Four conference championships, two NAIA World Series appearances, nine All-Americans, they had three NAIA National Players of the Year. Coach Parker himself was a three-time Conference Coach of the Year and a two-time ABCA Regional Coach of the Year before becoming the head coach at Eastern Oklahoma. So he's been in Eastern Oklahoma since 2019. The 2019 team finished 25-23. and 23. The 2020 team, which was the COVID-shortened year, of course, finished 19-4. and four. Last year's team, the 21 2021 team finished 47 and 7. They lost in what is the Division One equivalent of the Super Regionals. They finished ranked number 11 nationally. They got as high as number eight in the uh, junior college polls last year. And uh, I told Coach Parker before we started recording that I didn't even I wasn't even sure I wanted to say this out loud, but he said, "Hey, everybody else is." When we are recording today, 
The Eastern Oklahoma State College team is currently 30-0. and 0. They have they have begun the season by winning 30 straight games, which is unbelievable. Uh, somehow still on the most recent polls, they're only ranked number seven, but I'm sure when the next polls come out, uh, they, they should be higher. Hopefully, hopefully I don't jinx them this podcast. But, uh, but Coach Parker, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I love talking to guys that – that know how to win and build winning programs. I'm very, very much looking forward to this podcast. Man, Jeff, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, when you when you when you read all all that off, it, it's it's cool uh, to hear that. And uh, you know, I found out a long time ago that I became a lot better coach when I when I got guys that could overcome my coaching. Uh, you know, <laughs> that, uh, that 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 could uh, do it. So uh, I've been been fortunate to be around some of the best uh, players and, and assistant coaches. Um, you know, those guys, you know, our assistant coaches uh, at Oklahoma Wesleyan and, and here now uh, have have been tremendous. So um, it's uh, it's a blast to be around those guys every day and, and, uh, and get a chance to, to kind of share what I've learned from them and, and what we do here and um, hopefully uh, help somebody else out uh, with, with figuring out baseball and, and your podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Southern Timber Wood Bats. You can check them out at southerntimberwoodbats.com. I usually like to start with something that stands out from the bio. I hope that people that are listening to this, as they were listening to your bio, you know, I hope they were saying to themselves, like, man, I'd love, I hope he starts there, I hope he starts there. But then I hope they heard the 30-0 and and like, wow, he's got to start there, right? But that's where I want to start. Um, I I do want to start with the 30-0 season, but I want to kind of, with my next couple questions, just tie in some other things that you've done there in, in sort of the past. But to to begin a season 30-0 and 0 is something that, that most people will never, ever experience. Even high school programs over the course of multiple years, you know, won't win 30 games in a row. Um, it's, it's just, it's incredible. What is the atmosphere like around the team right now as far as, um, you know, expectations day-to-day, but also just trying to keep the guys grounded uh, you know, not looking too deeply into that stuff. But what is the atmosphere like around the Eastern Oklahoma State baseball team right now? Sure. I, I, I honestly, I think our atmosphere is the same. You know, at thirty and zero, that it, it obviously not if it was zero and thirty, uh, but if it was, uh, you know, maybe not not a thirty game win streak. I, you know, we work really hard uh, here to, to, and it sounds so cliche, but to focus on today. Uh, you know, and, and the polls are great, and and you know, we've talked about. You know, being ranked and different things, but you know, we talk a lot to our team about the polls are a direct reflection of what you've done in the past. You know, that's they're voting on last week's team. Uh, you know, last week's team is seventh in the country, and uh, this week's team. You know, if you want to stay in that poll or you want to move up, then you have to continue to play well today. And um, I think our guys have done a really good job of of kind of taking that and understanding that that really and truly, and maybe 2020 taught us, you know, taught us this that. You know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, and, and I, really it's it's today is the most important day in our program. And, you know, um, to to have the success that, that our team has had and, and to see those guys develop and, and, and obviously be able to gain those wins and things like that, like uh, I think the, the biggest thing is to, to remind them that, you know, hey, all of that happened because of the work that they've done and because of the preparation that they've put in through practice and, uh, you know, and, and things like that. It's that that's what allows them to be successful. So if you want to continue to do that, like, you know, I think sometimes people forget when they have success, they forget what, what allowed them to have the success. Uh, you know, it's the, what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Like, well, for us, we know that the success comes as a byproduct of the work that they put in and the work that they do and the focus that they have at practice. And this group's just kind of wired that way. I mean, it's a lot like that 2014 team 
at Oklahoma Wesleyan that, that, that had the long win streak. I, you know, they, they probably, if people wouldn't talk about it, they probably wouldn't know uh, that they were on a 30-game win streak because they, they do just focus on, all right, what are we doing today? Like, what's practice today? Okay, great. And then tomorrow if we if we play, it's like, okay, who are we playing? Okay, great, let's let's go play. And you talked about standards and things like that. And we really try to talk a lot here about not playing against the opponent because I think that's what allows you to go up and down and kind of be on that roller coaster is, you know, if, if, if the New York Yankees came into play, like, you know, would you play harder than if somebody else came in? And, you know, we try to play, like, uh, versus ourselves, you know, because it's really all we can control is how well can we play today? Like, us as a team, how well can our team play the game today? Um, and if we play well, then obviously, like, we can, be, we can be pumped about the result, whether it's a win or a loss. We can know that, like, hey, man, we played as well as we could play, and we won. Or, you know, if we play as well as we can play, we get beat, like, there's really nothing else you could do about that. You just happened to get beat that day. Um, and so I think they've kind of understood that and taken to, you know, let's play versus ourselves, not versus an opponent. Uh, and I think that kind of gives them the freedom to uh, kind of free that up a little bit and, and uh, go play. I want to talk about that a little bit more, that last thing you just mentioned there about playing against yourself. It was something that I don't think that I heard as a player, um, and I, I don't, know at what time I started hearing it as a, as a coach, but now as a coach, like if I were to go coach a team tomorrow, that's one of the things that I, I would talk about with players a lot. And I did, you know, toward the end of my coaching career in college and in the, um, the, I, I coached high school ball for one year after I left college baseball. And, uh, and I talked about it with high school players too, is, is that, um, that concept of playing against yourself. Can you just talk about that for people that have never heard that, you know, how do you explain that to your guys? How do you, um, how do you make that make sense to players who have never heard that? And how do you make that, you know, once you sort of explain it, how do you kind of keep that in focus day to day? Sure. I, you know, I think the, the playing against yourself is sometimes whenever you, you, you know, you play uh, an opponent. Well, obviously, you know, when you play, um, you know, an opponent, you, you know who they are and you know what they are. If you're trying to like, well, I got to be better than them and I've got to try to, uh, you know, I got to, uh, and they're really good. So like, I got to, I, we, I have to be perfect today and I have to do, well, now you've taken all of the focus off of like you and, and really what you can control and you've placed it all on them and you've given them all the power to almost dictate how you feel and how you, uh, react to the situation and, and things like that. And so, you know, I think the plan against yourself is that like, and we, we really don't try to get, like I said, get wrapped up in who it is. You know, if it's, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a, you know, in the fall, we get the opportunity to play some division one teams, uh, you know, and so like when we play those guys or, you know, maybe whenever we, we, we play another junior college team or whatever, like we, we really don't get into them because it really isn't about them. Uh, it's, it's about us, you know, and, and focusing on like, man, whatever that guy needs to do to be successful as a player, um, you know, and, and so trying to get him to, to, honestly like focus on himself and i know that sounds selfish and the team concept of what we're doing but how well can our team play uh versus our abilities um uh, and then i think you you when you do that like i said you can live and live with the results um uh, you know and and you know some people obviously at, at, at 30 and 0 you know you started to get those questions you guys probably did uh you know whenever i think you said you you got that a 27 game win streak at, at lewisburg at one at one point and um you know, I, I think you start to get the question about like, well, I mean, do you think a loss here would, you know, help them, you know, focus and do this? And I uh, mean, I tell our guys all the time, like, I, 
I never thought I needed to lose to, to learn. Um, I, 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 I never, you know, the only, you hear people say that all the time, like, you know, well, you know, this loss right here will help us focus. And I tell our guys, like, the person that said that just lost. Like, you've never heard anybody win a game and go, man, I wish we would have lost that game to help us focus. Uh, and so I think it does take a, a different level of maturity. Um, and, and, and we talk about it all the time, so there's no point hiding it. Uh, but we talk a lot, you know, to our guys about, you know, kind of, um, hey, man, like, we can win and still learn a lesson. You know, hey, we didn't play very well or, you know what, like, maybe we did play well, but this stuff still has to get better. If we're going to try to win a championship, like, that, uh, that, that wouldn't win a championship. Uh, well, I mean, the best part is, you know, this weekend, like, we didn't play well at times, uh, and that's, that's like I told our guys, I said, like, hey, that's not going to win a championship. It won today, and it worked today, and we were able to do it. But to win at the highest level, it's not going to win a championship. Thank goodness, though, that we're not playing at our best possible, you know, uh, you know, our peak performance yet because – and that would be a long time to try to have to maintain that from April until, you know, late May uh to try to win a championship there so you know the best part for us is that um ultimately you know it is a day-to-day approach it is like uh okay great like man this is what we did well congratulations this is what we need to work on this week to continue to get better and you know what like i said the wins are great and we're going to keep taking them but uh our message would be the same you know uh or will be the same you know whenever we we lose uh is that all right great like obviously we didn't play well enough Let's go back to, to practice tomorrow and let's get it fixed. And Because the goal is to play our best baseball at the end. Um, and I think that having the big picture in mind is, is a big deal. And, and that's true, too, if it's if maybe the season isn't going the way you want it to go, uh, is to focus on the big picture. It wasn't, you know, we're not going to win the February National Championship or the March National Championship or even the April National Championship. You do have to play well enough through those, those, uh, time, those months there to give yourself a chance at the end. Um, you know, and to be into the tournament, but you know what? It's about getting better every day and let's figure out, let's be ready to play, um, our best baseball at the end. Um, and, and, and I think that, uh, these guys do a good job of focusing on that. Um, I, I would like to ask you more about, again, something you just said about like how you talk to your guys about winning championships. Um, and, and this is sort of a, as we had talked about, I think before we started recording about the chicken or the egg thing, but you know, do you, do you start talking about championships with a team that has a legitimate chance to, to do something in a postseason, Or is that something that you've talked about from day one there? And I want to ask this, Matt, because I think that my, my personal thoughts as a coach is that uh, you, you've got to, you, I don't think many teams overachieve what they sort of set out to do. And I think that, um, you know, there's, there are a lot of teams out there that talk about wanting to go to the postseason or like, you know, getting into the conference championship or I'm sorry, getting into the conference tournament is a goal for them or, uh, or whatever it may be. And to me, like those are, those are small goals and, and you're not likely to go past that where it seems like most teams that, that do have a chance to win at a really high level and win a win a championship at whatever level they're playing, we'll talk about that. But I'd like to see what you think and just kind of how you approach that with your own team. Have you been talking from the from day one there when you guys were, were basically a 500 team? Uh, have you been talking about championships since that time, or is this something that you started talking about like since the team sort of got to that level? Do you think it's important 
to to talk about winning championships with the team? And if so, why? So I know that's kind of a loaded question and several kind of several sure. questions sort of in one there, but I'm curious as to how you approach that with your guys. We talk about it from from the beginning of recruiting, not even the first day of practice. Like we, we talk about it from the beginning of recruiting. Um, you know, that like, hey, here's here's what we're trying to do uh, at Eastern, you know, and, and, and we're open about it. And, you know, we the, the goal at Eastern is to win a national championship. Um it's okay to say that now that's not the end all be all of you know uh, win at all costs but like that's the stated goal and otherwise like what are we really trying to do here uh if we're not trying to win a national championship then then what are we doing and and, and i'm talking about on the baseball field there's plenty of things that we're trying to do off the field that are way more important than whether or not we win a baseball game um but as we kind of kind of talk our way through that is when we, we talk about it from the beginning that that um a winning, winning a national championship is the goal. Uh, we started that when I took the job at Oklahoma Wesleyan, and I was 27 years old with no head coaching experience, and I was fortunate to come from a really good uh, program uh, and, and had been to the World Series at, at, at Cal Baptist and, you know, had, had that success, um, you know, there. But then whenever we um, got the job at Oklahoma Wesleyan, you know, I'm 27 with no head coaching experience, and here I am, and, uh, they said, what's the goal? And I said, win a national title. And I th- think there were a lot of people that thought that's crazy. Uh, why would you say that out loud? At the time, Oklahoma Wesleyan uh, was, 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 was a good program, uh, but, but had finished, you know, middle of the pack, second, third, uh, you know, in the conference. You know, and, and then I'm the guy at 27 saying, let's win a national championship. And I think people thought, man, okay, that's cool. That's cute. Like, good luck, Tiger. Uh, you know, go get them. <laughs> Uh, and then the first year we, we go, you know, we started my head coaching career one and six, uh, started 0 and five, won a game and then lost the next one to go one and six to start my head coaching career. And, um, you know, we wind up managing to, to finish that year at 42 and 25, which actually set a school record for wins at the time. Um, and then, um, the next year we go 31 and 23, but you know, uh, both years we finished third in the conference, I think third or fourth, uh, in the conference. And, you know, then in year three, uh, it just kind of clicked. Um, you know, the, the, the recruiting, um, you know, was right. So we had the right set of people returning. Um, and, and we go 58 and eight. We win 29 straight games at one point. Um, you know, we have the national player of the year. We, uh, we make the World Series and, and actually finished, uh, nine out, six out, something like that shy of playing for a national title. We were in the national semifinal game and, um, uh, just couldn't couldn't hang on to get enough outs uh, to to play for a national title, and I think at that point then it became real that people were going like, "Hey man, he is crazy," uh, but you know what? Like we're crazy too. Uh, so since I mean we've we've talked about winning, uh, I just think likes about winning, and anybody that says like, "Well, that's you know that's that's I mean they're keeping score," uh, you know I mean in every job they they give out an employee of the month. You know, they give out a salesman of the month, like they're all keeping score. So we might as well understand that both on the baseball field and off the field and, and let's try to win. Uh, let's win the right way and let's do that stuff. But, you know, that there is an expectation to, to win. Um, and so I think the more you talk about it, the more that becomes it. Now, we don't talk every day about winning the national title. Uh, let's call it what it is. Eastern's been to the World Series only once in 2001, uh, you know. Uh, but if you don't talk about it and you don't, you know, then when you get there, you know, like I said, then it, like you said, I think it just come, you come up short, you know, it's like, well, we, 
we made the tournament. That was our goal, you know, and it's like, oh, all right, rather than, you know, hey, man, like we still got work to do. Uh, that wasn't the goal. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that, you know, obviously by that standard, I've, this is my, I guess, 11th year as a head coach. I mean, that means that I've failed 10 other times. Like we've had disappointing seasons because we didn't win a national title. I, I disagree with that statement, too. Um, we've had really good teams and really good people and really good players and all of that. So, uh, but again, it is the stated goal. Um, and so then we'll go back to the drawing board as coaches and, uh, try to look at, um, Hey, what do we need to do better? You know? And, and I think that's one of the things that I, I would encourage, you know, coaches to, to look at is, uh, you know, is, is, are there better ways to do things? Uh, you know, because, we've been successful, you know, thank goodness. And, and, but we change stuff every year about our program. You know, I, I just, I never want to push rewind and play again. You know, I, the goal last year, I mean, we went 47 and seven and, you know, uh, Christian McGowan was taken by the Phillies and, you know, we've got, um, you know, a guy at OU in the rotation. We've got a guy at Mississippi state, you know, we had three arms that were 95 miles an hour or better. Um, and we, we've got, you know, good players this year. we got one going to LSU and, uh, multiple players, you know, going to play division one baseball, uh, next year. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great, but I, the goal wasn't to be 47 and seven. If it was, then we just push rewind and push play again, but that doesn't work either because players change and the, the, the people change, the pieces change. So we try to look at our program every year and like, man, do we need to change what we do to try to get to, to, to the top to win a national championship or do we just need to do that better? you know what, man, like they didn't understand that. And if they didn't understand that, then my job is to help them. I'm the coach. And, and if they don't understand it, then that's bad coaching. Um, and so we always try to kind of evaluate uh, where we're at. I, I, I got a business degree at Lyon College. And one of the things that I, that I remember, you know, probably most vividly is I had a professor that said all the time, if you ever hear a business say, well, this is how we've always done it, that you should get out fast because they won't be there very long. Uh, and I think that's true with with baseball programs is, you know, if you hear somebody say like, this is how we've always done it, and I, then they're going to get stuck at some point and, and kind of, you know, be mediocre without probably knowing that they are. Uh, and so we always want to evaluate where we're at and uh, see, see what we can do better. And then let's go to work uh, from there. Holy smokes. This is going to be like a three hour podcast. Um, <laughs> so like through, the, through these podcasts, Matt, I like to, I'll kind of pick and choose things that you say that I'd like to expand on and whatever. And, and my page is full of stuff at this point, and we're only 20 minutes into it, uh, which is great, which is really good. Hopefully we can just have a part two to this, to this podcast sometime. Sure. So okay. I don't keep you the rest of the week on here. Um, but several places to go from there. One of which I'd like to just ask, uh, you, you know, you just, you're talking about changing kind of how you do things year to year, or at least reevaluating um, everything. Do you change the style of play on your team based on personnel, based on who you happen to have on the roster? Or are you, are you always recruiting to try to have certain types of players because you think a certain style of play is always going to win in every year, every environment? So just, and just to kind of take that a step further, if you if you just if you try to if you're if your guys all you know everybody on your staff is going out and just recruiting the best possible players you can find and one year 
you know, I would say, that, you know, pitching staffs probably look a little bit more similar top to bottom year to year. Um, sure. But offenses can change because there are guys out there that are just, that are really super athletes that run like crazy. And, and maybe one year you might have, if you just went out and recruited the best possible guys, there might be some years where you had a ton of team speed, not as much power. Other years where you have more of a bigger physical team that maybe doesn't run quite as well, but can really, you know, hits a lot of, a lot of doubles and homers are, are so, so just, that's that's how like a, a good high school team, for example, might be built because you can't pick who's on your high school team, um, or at least most most schools can't. Uh, but you know, good high school programs don't might not look the same all the time. Or one year they might be you know an offensive team, the next year they might really pitch it. Do you try to build certain types of teams that have the same sort of attributes all all the time every year because you believe that's what wins, or do you sort of make adjustments to the type of offense that you'll have based on your personnel? So one year you might, you know, be top ten in the nation in the nation in stolen bases. The next year you might be, you know, a couple years later you might be top ten in the nation in home runs. Um, how do you guys assemble your roster? Yeah, for us, you know, people ask, and you know, uh, through your time in college baseball, you know, people ask all the time, like, what are you looking for? Like, what do you need? You know, is the question all the time in, in, in recruiting and all that. And it sounds, it sounds like a smart aleck answer and I don't mean it that way. And I try to like make sure they know that. But, uh, honestly, like we're looking for the best player, um, you know, the most athletic player that we can get. Now for us, you know, we're, we're probably a little different in, you know, we'll take a lesser player if he's the right person because we think that the right people turn into the right players for us. You know, we're not trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. So just because they're a, a great player doesn't mean they fit what we do at Eastern uh, from a person standpoint. I spend more time, um, you know, with our players and coaches sometimes than I do with my wife and, and, and I have twin four-year-olds. Uh, so uh, if I'm going to do that, then you know what? I, I'm going to be around people that I want to be around and, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so, so the people do matter uh, way more than the players because we think the right people will become the right players. But just on the field, if we're talking about it, uh, we're trying to recruit the best baseball player that we can find. Um, and then from there we'll sort it out. Um, and I just think, you know, I think the best example is, you know, last year's team was 47 and seven. And like you said, the, 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 the pitching staffs are always going to be similar, uh, you know, from, for us, like we won't strike throwers, um, you know, that, that, that then if the velocity comes along, that's great, which it, it clicked for us last year. And, and again, we had three guys that were 94 to 96 and, um, you know, we had a stat, we were really top heavy there and, uh, had some good arms out of the pan and, um, where this year, you know, and offensively last year, man, we really, we really just hit. Um, and we, we could just stand up and just, we had some guys who could really swing the bat. And there was, you know, uh, some juice in there and, uh, we did that. And, uh, honestly, I thought we got beat, um, because I thought we became one dimensional, uh, late in the spring. Um, and we relied too much on having to get a hit. Um, and so it just so happened that this year it kind of, we had the right stuff going and, and found the right guys. And, you know, where last year we probably didn't have anybody that ran under a, probably anybody under a 6.6, maybe a 6.7, 60. Uh, now this year we have five guys that run under a 6.5. Um, so we're significantly faster. Um, there's less juice on this year's team, um, but we score runs a different way. And really for us, and I, I know this is a slippery slope to go down on offensive uh, stuff, you know, whether we're talking launch angle or not launch angle or all that, I, 
I'm not going to get it. I'm not taking a bait on that one. I'm not going to get into it. I, we talk a lot with our guys about in the grand scheme of things in college baseball, not talking about, you know, uh, if I'm given a lesson or if I'm in professional baseball someday, uh, division one baseball is different. Like if I'm, we're talking about like where we're at right now, the name of the game in college baseball is scoring runs. No one cares if you hit, you know, 400, if you don't score any runs. Um, and my grandfather, uh, when he was alive, you know, he used to watch all of our games um, that he could, both me as a player and as a coach. And, um, you know, uh, if he couldn't come to the game, he knew that we played. He had it on the refrigerator. And, you know, he would call every night. And he'd say, like, hey, how would we do today? And if I said we won, we would get on with whatever it was talking about the game. And if I said, like, ah, we lost, you know, he would say, son, you just don't listen. If you just score one more run than the other team, you'd win every game. <laughs> so every time we've lost a, every time we've lost a game in my career, I've always thought, man, if we would have just scored one more than those guys, we would have won that game. Uh, <laughs> it's not about how many hits you get. It's not about, you know, that. In, in, in the grand scheme of college baseball, and I think high school baseball too, you know, those stats will come. But I think we've had good players. We've had the national players of the year, and we've done all of that. But they've really been focused on, you know, scoring runs, their job at the plate at the time. You know, if that's to hit a ground ball to shortstop and score a run from third with less than two outs, then you know what? That's probably a pretty good plan. And it's kind of funny how taking the focus off of them um, having to get a hit. Because, right, if you walk up there and go, like, I got to get a hit, I got to get a hit, that's really, really difficult. Uh, but if you walk up there and go, like, man, I just got to hit this ball hard. And you know what? Like, if I'm a little bit more on top of this one, you know what? My average is going to go down, but my RBIs are going to go up. Um man, that seems like a pretty good deal, and the team's going to win. And we all know that, like, when you win, there's more people likely to come watch you and recruit you and do all those things, you know, there. And so we've kind of been able to to show our offensive players that there's a trade-off, you know, between, like, you have to get a hit and hitting for a really high average, but the team's not winning. I mean, you know as well as I do, when somebody comes to watch you, they, they want to recruit winners. Uh, and so there's there's a, a balance there. And so uh, for us, we've we've tried to just – get the best athletes we can get um and then figure out how we we play them the first recruiting class we had here at eastern actually had nine high school shortstops uh signed in it uh and and something crazy you know there's a lot of divisions in in oklahoma high school baseball it was something like seven or something like that of them were all state you know were all common they were they were really good players and somebody asked me you know what are you going to do with all of them and my answer was i'm going to play them i'm going to try to figure out how to get them all on the field and you know what, like we were fortunate at times throughout the last few years that, you know, we would have, you know, four shortstops playing on the infield uh, or we would have, you know, three shortstops on the infield and one in left and one in center. You know, we just we were we were athletic that way and uh, gave ourselves more opportunities there. So uh, for me, I, I'm of the belief that you try to recruit the guys to um, to do what uh, what you do. Uh, or sorry, you, you try to recruit them and then you try to do what they do well. Uh, you know, you, you don't ask an elephant to climb a tree. So to ask a guy that maybe doesn't run, hey man, can you can you steal this base? Because that's what we do here. Uh, I think that's that's we need to pull our head out of the sand and go like that guy can't do that. Let's let's find out what he does and let's accentuate that and and uh, allow him to be good that way. Today's podcast is brought to you by Southern Timber Wood Bats. 
Southern Timber is a company located in Alexandria, Alabama that specializes in the highest quality wood and leather whose focus is on quality and craftsmanship. Their line of wood bats are all custom, hand-turned, and hand-finished with professional-grade wood. For gloves, they offer great-looking gloves with both steer hide and kip leather. You can find them on social media on Twitter at ST Woodbats, on Instagram at Southern underscore Timber underscore Woodbats, and on their website at SouthernTimberWoodbats.com. So in a year like this, when you've started 30-0, and, and kind of based on what you said last year, or, or what happened last year that, that you felt like you became too one-dimensional last year where to, to score a run you had to get a hit. And that doesn't always work every day, obviously, depending who you're seeing in the mound or, or just, you know, it's baseball. Round bat, round ball. Sometimes you hit it at somebody. Sometimes you, you know, you miss by an eighth of an inch on the bat and pop one up or whatever it is. And um, sometimes the defense has the guy in the right spot. But are you, are you uh, changing anything this year in your offensive approach to try to make your team more well-rounded? And when I say that, I also, you know, I realize that there are unwritten rules in baseball and, uh, you know, some colleges believe in them. Some don't, um, you know, but if you're up 10 to one on a team, are you out there stealing bases, maybe trying to, uh, you know, trying to bunt from time to time, not to try to rub it into their team, but because you know that to win at the end of the season, you're going to have to steal a base in this situation. You're going to have to bunt in this particular situation, whether it's a squeeze or whether it's, you know, moving guys from first to second and bunting them over to second and third, whatever it may be, are you are you consciously trying to do some more of that this year to prepare for the end of the season, or has the win streak sort of made that tough to do because you don't want to embarrass teams and, and you're not trying to, um, you know, develop that sort of reputation? Uh, I'm just kind of curious how you how you sure. handle that and, and if you have made any adjustments from last year to this year. Sure. I, I, because we do run well, you know, this year, obviously, I, we've, we've stolen significantly more bases, and, and, and we are doing that. Um, you know, so we've made that adjustment offensively, and, and, and uh, you know, we, we really try to just put, put a ton of pressure on the defense. Uh, you know, and, and how do you do that? I mean, sometimes it's hit a double, sometimes it's steal a base or read a dirt ball or drag ball, whatever it is. So um, there is that. From a, you know, the, the win streak, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it is, you know, a win streak and, and all that, but they haven't been blowouts. Uh, there's been, you know, there's been some games that they kind of got out of hand, you know, at times or whatever, but there's been a lot of like three to two games and, and, you know, six to three and stuff like that. Like it's been good baseball. So, you know, that's been uh, easier in those games, obviously for us. And like you said, there's unwritten rules and right or wrong. I, I you know, I, I don't know. I always have a hard time finding those unwritten rules in the rule book to know how to follow them exactly. And, you know, sometimes they're 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 unwritten in my book and not written in somebody else's book or whatever. So, uh, for me, uh, in 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 baseball and junior college baseball, we play a ten run rule. Um, and so I'm of the belief that like until it gets to ten, that all is fair game. Um, and you know what? Like once it gets to ten, though, I do believe that you know it's time to um, it's time that we're not trying to embarrass anybody. You know, and if it was an eight run rule. Then you know what I, I would I would abide by that that eight run rule. Uh, whoever decided it was ten, uh, okay, great. Then like then we're gonna play till it's ten. Uh, but you know it's crazy like in those moments you know when maybe it is ten to one and it's nine and it somebody seems like you're trying to do more and you know or like you're trying to embarrass some kind of thing and it's like you know what like 
the other team is still they're still taking bats to the plate and still trying to score. So as long as they're trying to score against us in that situation, like we got to get it to ten. And then once it's ten, you know what? And if they score to make it back less than ten, uh, you know what? Then we'll go back to maybe our full offense. You know, and 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 kind of the opportunity to put pressure on the defense and do all that again. And if it gets to ten, then we'll back back out of it. Um, you know, and see what that looks like. Uh, you know, from there. But uh, that's kind of the way I've always tried to do it. Was just we're gonna go we're gonna go at ten. Uh, you know what? And then at ten we'll we'll stop the the dirt balls and maybe some of the stolen base stuff and the bunts. And you know what? We'll we'll take we'll take our swings. And you know, if we continue to score runs, okay. And um, uh, obviously, we hope we go out and pitch it well and play good defense and kind of move on from there. Coach, you mentioned a couple minutes ago that as far as recruiting offensive guys, you try to recruit the best players, the best athletes that you can. Can you describe what that means and, and how exactly that looks on the baseball field? Because obviously, like a you know a basketball player that can jump through the roof is athletic, but he's buddy he, you know he may not be a very good baseball player. So, like, what do you see on the baseball field that you like to see? that are uh, recruitable offensive tools and would be considered athletic on a baseball field? Uh, you know, I think speed is obviously kind of always an answer, but you know what, like, because the old saying, speed doesn't slump, well, you know, like you also have to have some skill set too, uh, you know, because if we were just racing to the foul pole, uh, speed speed would never slump. Uh, but you know what, you actually have to hit it, and then you have to have a position and do other things. So, like, speed is important. Uh, and I do think that it can make up for some things, uh, you know, in there. But, you know, for us, like, I think there's always the, uh, you know, we kind of like the, the, I was, you know, I was 5'8", 140 pounds when I graduated college. So you can imagine what I looked like when I went in. Uh, and and I, I tell everybody, I I hit 290 in Arkansas high school baseball, uh, which, I mean, you got to be, man, I was, I was not very good, uh, you know, to <laughs> in high school baseball. And, then I turned myself into a pretty good college player. I wasn't a great one, but I worked really hard at it. And uh, I ran a little bit, but I managed to handle the bat and drag bunt, push bunt. You know, I was pretty intelligent about how the game was played. Uh, you know, as a player, so I made myself into a good college baseball player. Um, I've always joked that I don't want to recruit Matt Parker because he had he had limits. Uh, you can coach <laughs> that guy till you're blue in the face, and at some point, like man, there was a ceiling. Um, but, you know, so for us, like, but I've always said that we want to get the best player that we can get. And, and I, when I talk to recruits, I tell them this, and I always tell them, like, if you can't think of somebody, that, that may be bad because it may be you. Uh, but, you know, we all have that guy on our high school team or travel team or know that guy or whatever that, like, is really, really talented but just doesn't work. You know, he just gets by on talent alone. Uh, and wherever that may catch up with them, it may catch up with them in college baseball. They may get drafted and make it to double A or whatever before that just kind of, you know, man, the talent got me there and I just didn't have anything to get me over the hump. Like we all have that guy that's just, man, that guy's the best player on the team, but maybe he just doesn't work. Like, well, we would like to take a guy with that kind of talent here at Eastern and then get him to play like he's 5'8", 140 pounds because that guy had to work really hard and play really hard to get there. And if we can get that guy, you know, the really talented player to play like he's 5'8", 140 pounds and just kind of have that higher motor running, we feel like that guy can turn into the national players of the year, you know, the, the draftable guys, the all-commerce guys, the, those type of guys. So, um, you know, for us, it's it's 
yeah, like what's the talent look like? Yeah, okay, great. They have some of the tools that everybody wants to talk about. Man, they can, you know, they can. Uh, the 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 hand eye coordination is really good. The the arm strength is good. They run well. They man, they've got some juice. Like that's all important. So I think I think the normal baseball tools, but then from there, like man, I want to know like, do they work? Uh, and and do they do they play the game? You know, uh, hard all the time, or is it conditional? You know, hey, like when I'm going well, I play hard. When I'm not, then I'm kind of a bad teammate. And, you know, I, I go watch a lot of baseball. And honestly, I, you know what? When I, when I know a good player, you know, when I already know that they're a good player, I actually sometimes go to the game and, like, I'm not rooting for them to be bad, but I'm okay if they strike out. I'm okay if they, you know, get the bad call from the umpire. I'm okay if they make an error because, like, guess what? That's not the first one they're going to make, and it certainly isn't the last one. Uh, and if it is the last one, you know what? I, I might get a raise as a coach because, like, man, I managed to make that guy never make another mistake in his whole life. Uh, you know, and I don't think that's possible. So I want to see them, like, handle that and, like, do they go put their helmet down, you know, or do they throw a fit? Because I don't have time to, to babysit them. Uh, not that they won't grow up in our program and not that we don't have to help them through it, but uh, there's a lot of things that, like, I'm just not willing to negotiate on. Um because, like, man, we're into getting better as a baseball player, not having to grow up, you know, sometimes on the field. Like, all right, man, you made a mistake. Like, let's get on to the next one there. Um, so, I, for us, it's, man, how hard do they play? Um, can it handle that adversity? Um, you know, and sure, like I said, I, arm strength's important. Uh, but also, like, man, what, what, what tools do they have from a, from a skill set? Do they handle the back? Can they drag and push? Like, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot to our guys in junior college about what we're going to like when you leave Eastern, you know, and you go play at whatever next school you're going to go play at. Um, what does that look like? Uh, you know, and, and we talk a lot about like the golf analogy of uh, putting clubs in their bag. You know, Noe Ruiz is our hitting guy. Uh, he's been with me nine years and is tremendous at what he does. And he always talks about like the, the golf analogy, putting putting clubs in their bag that, you know what, like, we want to put as many clubs in your bag as you can uh, at Eastern. So that way then when you get to the next place and they, you know, whatever, uh, they ask you to have, you know, this club, like it sure is nice to have it, right? But maybe they don't need the putter, right? Maybe they maybe they don't believe in the bunt or whatever, like, but it's nice to have it if you need it, uh, you know, rather than need it and not have it kind of thing. So, um, you know, we want to know what, what, what clubs do they have in their bag before they get here. You know, and, 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 okay, man, that guy understands the game. He's a good base runner. So, like, that's an area that we can help him with, you know, to, to get even better. But um, I, I think the, you know, there there is just raw athlete, and that's great. But there has to be some baseball savviness to what we're doing, too. When you recruit, Matt, there are, uh, there are always players out there that are super talented that no coach kind of wants to touch or, or maybe a guy that, that transfers like a couple times within the first year or two because he just can't – he just, just has issues that he's having a hard time fitting in one place or another. Um, for me as a young recruiting coordinator, like I would take that guy and think like we could fix him. I think we could fix that guy. I think we could help him to be what he's lacking right now, help him to gain that skill set or, or this – you, to use your analogy, help help to get that club in his bag, and maybe it's not a physical club in his bag, but maybe it's like a, this guy's just 
he's just not a good teammate, or like you said, he he only works sometimes, or um, you know, there, I, I've I've coached plenty of those players, and I know how it went <laughs> in our programs. Mm-hmm. But will you take guys like that? Will you take guys that have like some serious baggage, knowing that man, if this guy just learned this or just learned that, this guy could be a big leaguer. Like, will you take guys like that in your program? Because you've already talked about how you believe the right, the right people, the right guys will become the right player. You and you've just talked about obviously, you know, wanting certain things with guys uh, when you recruit them. But but will you take that one, like super talented guy that that just um, has issues that kind of everybody knows about, and that's the reason why the guy's still available, maybe, or that's the reason why he's transferring from this really prestigious Division One. Um, do you take those guys in your program and try to turn them around, or do you just believe that it's not worth the headache and, and you don't usually go after the player that doesn't have the the right uh, character that you want in your program? Yeah, I, I think every situation is different. You know, and I know you're like, oh, what a, what a coach answer that is. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that's true. I, I think it depends on, like, what is the issue? Uh, you know, there, there are certain things off the field that just don't fit us. And I, I just know is the answer. Like I, there is no, there's just no explaining that, you know, and, and it's just, you know, Hey man, I'm just not willing to, to do that. Um, I do think that, like I said, every situation is different. Um, and I, and I think a lot of it is, you know, um, how's, I, I think we have tremendous culture uh in our program uh so i think that you can take a guy here and there um in that situation because i think there's so many people here that are willing to protect that culture that you know what like you're either going to get in line or you're going to move on from there and honestly at some point it starts to become hey man if you can't play for those guys like all right you had whatever reason for this and that but like now if you can't play at eastern at some point like some point it's got to be you, and I think that's that's where um, you know people see that. Um, but for us, I, I I think we're different in recruiting, um, and I think recruiting unfortunately has really turned into and and I would tell you know listeners that are kind of going through this with their son uh, or daughter, you know, kind of going through this process and getting ready to be recruited and all that. I think recruiting unfortunately has turned a lot into tell you what you want to hear not necessarily tell you the truth. Um, and, man, I'm not smart enough to try to remember what Jeff wanted to hear and then what Billy wanted to hear and then what that one wants to hear. But you know what? At some point after they leave our visit, they're going to call back and ask another question, you know, about something. And then it's like, oh, man, what was what was the half-truth I tried to tell them to get them? Um, and I, I just – I'm not that smart. I can't I, – I, I just it's easier for me to just tell one story and the truth. And then, you know what, like figure it out from there. So I think we're different in recruiting. And I think that weeds out a lot of uh, what you're talking about, because I think as they sit through uh, the recruiting talk and, and I'm open and honest in the recruiting talk about, man, I'm hard to play for. Um, not hard to play for, for any other reason than like when people tell me I want to be the best, then, okay, great. Then I'm going to hold you accountable to that statement. You said, just like if, just like when I tell you, like, man, I'm going to give you everything I've got, and I'm going to do this as a coach, you should hold me accountable to that. There's nothing worse as a player than going somewhere 
and wanting to work and wanting to get better and wanting reps and then your 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 coach or your assistant coach like won't get off the the you know behind the desk and you know come work with you if they're allowed to you know or won't put in the amount of work there's nothing worse than like because you can't outwork you know sometimes like the the lazy coach on the flip side that coaches can't outwork you know players that don't fit either um and so I'm open and honest about man. I'm 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 difficult to play for because be careful what you tell me you want to do, because when you say that, then I'm I'm going to do it and I'm going to hold you accountable to that. And um, you know, you said it earlier on the question about you know talking about winning and things like that. Um, you know, it's one of those where um, for us, like we're open about what our goal is and what we're trying to do, and um, you know, don't say something that you don't mean. Because when I say the goal is to win a national championship. I've never had anybody say, well, man, that seems like a lot of work. Like, I mean, I, you know, just a few games over 500 seems like it's easier. Like, cause I mean, it is easier. Like, but when I say like win a national championship, everybody always cheers, especially in August, whenever we're starting the year. Right. I mean, win a national championship, our guys are, yeah, let's go. Like, and then two weeks later it's hot and we've been at practice and all that. And it's like, well, you know, like everybody loves the idea of winning a championship. Not everybody loves the amount of work that's required to win a championship. Uh, and I think there's a big difference there. And so through the recruiting process, we try really hard to figure out who's an idea guy, like who likes the idea of the success that Eastern has had and who, who, who truly is wired the way we're wired as a coaching staff. Um, because our coaching staff puts a lot of time and effort into our guys. Like I said, Noe Reese, our hitting guy, uh, him and I've been together nine years. Justin Oni, uh, our pitching guy, we've been together five years. Uh, there's not a lot of junior college staffs that, that have young staffs that have stayed together that long. Um, I, I couldn't be more blessed, you know, to have those guys in our program and, and probably doing all of the work, you know, and all of our success is, 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 is those guys and our players and how much time they put into it. But, um, man, I, I, so some of those things that you're asking about that guy that typically when we go through our recruiting, you know, visit or whatever, you know, it takes a lot longer than other people's visits. Um, not because I think we're any smarter. It's just, I, we're, we're, we're super detailed and I would rather tell the kid the truth and have the kid not come to Eastern because you know what? He got told the truth and go like, man, that's crazy. Uh, and let them find out for free that I'm crazy and that we're serious about who we are and what we're doing. Um, then I would tell them a half truth and get them here and then them be the wrong person or feel like I told them the half truth and, and I'm not holding them accountable to, you know, what it is. Um, and, uh, ultimately then now they're transferring a year later, uh, because of that. And it's like, well, I mean, I, I either got lied to or I didn't get told the whole truth. And I just think it's easier to like, Hey man, this is who we are and this is what we're doing. And you know what? Like you signed up for this. We didn't beg you. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't put a gun to your head. We didn't hold you hostage. Like, I mean, you signed up for this. And so I think that's where we, again, the culture protects itself. And so, you know what, we, we do have a guy every now and then that like, and it's worth the dice roll there because I've got so many dudes that are willing to like hold that standard there that like, you know what, that guy will typically fall in line uh, because they don't, nobody wants to stick out. Literally nobody, you know I mean? And nobody really truly wants to stick out. And so if they're on a team full of people doing 
you know, I say the right things, let's say Eastern things, like behaving the way we behave and playing the way we play and working the way we work and doing all those things. Like typically they'll fall in line because they they don't want to stick out. But if they're in a situation where maybe they, they, they can, and, and again, there's always that one guy that, that will stick out no matter what. I'm, I get that stuff. That doesn't mean that somebody's running a bad program because that happens. Like, but ultimately, like typically, you know, they'll fall in line. And if not, like if they're, if they're given the opportunity to do other things, um, typically they will because that's kind of who they are. Uh, and so we try to put them in an environment that, you know, what if we're going to roll the dice on this guy, we're going to put them in an environment that almost is so conducive to what we do that you almost can't, you can't, you can't just, you know, golly, man, I just, and, and, and if not, they typically weed themselves out before it ever even, you know, gets to them showing up on campus. So I'd, I'd like to expand a little more then on how you build your roster. Um, and I'll, and I'll ask this for people that just don't know a whole lot about junior college and maybe what kind of players are, are at junior college programs, especially really, really good ones. So, um, are, are you building a roster, Matt, with guys that didn't qualify for division one schools? Um, are you building your roster with transfers, you know, division one kickbacks, division two transfers that feel like they can, they played a freshman year at D2 and they feel like they can go higher. NAIA players maybe have the same story. Um, you know, guys that left the program for any reason, uh, are you building your roster with high school players? If it's a combination of any of those things, can you maybe give me some sort of a breakdown, maybe percentage wise or, or whatever? I'm just curious how you how you build it, and um, and and to give you know people that are listening to this, whether it's a high school coach, a, a a young kid who doesn't know a whole lot about junior college, a parent who doesn't know a whole lot about junior college, um, how how are you putting your roster together? Like what what is uh, what is it comprised of? What kind of players do you have there? Where'd they come from before they got to your team? I think it's a combination of a little bit of all of it, um, you know, for us. And I, I know that you know, junior college for a long time had that rap of, you know, hey, man, like it was bad students. And that's the only reason you would ever go to junior college is because you were a bad student and you couldn't. That's actually the farthest thing from the truth um, in a lot of places. Uh, and, and I'll say, especially in, at Eastern, I mean, I, I think we've got, not to exaggerate, I, it's like three to five valedictorians, uh, from high school, uh, that are on our team. I mean, um, you know, we, we've, 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 we do really well in the classroom, uh, here. Uh, so it's, it's very, sometimes I think, you know, it's, it's like, well, junior college is, is kind of the lowest and, and actually it's, it's probably not, um, you know, like I said, we had three guys that were 94 to 96 last year that, you know, one of them left Oregon state to, to transfer to Eastern, uh, because he wanted an opportunity to, to start, uh, versus pitching out of the pen. Uh, I mean, there's, there's an example there. Um, so for us, again, it goes, we're trying to find the best players and, and, and how does, how does that work? I mean, sure. Most of our guys are high school freshmen, uh, sorry, high school seniors that are coming in as freshmen. Um, and then we do sprinkle in, Hey man, there's a transfer here or there, you know, that, that, that helps us. There is a bounce back over here, um, you know, that, that can help us there. But I, I think a lot of people have that misconception about junior college being, um, you know, the, the, the lesser of the crew. And for, for us, like we talked to those high school seniors, um, a lot about like, you know, junior college is, is a little bit of an insurance policy. Uh, you know, it's an opportunity to, um, go and develop, you know, and, 
I always make the joke that if if watching baseball made you better, I would be awesome, and my mother would be the best player that ever played because she has watched an insane amount of baseball. And you know what? We haven't taken BP in a long time, but I would assume my mom is not very good still. Uh, so watching baseball doesn't make you better. Playing baseball makes you better. And so it's the opportunity for some guys that maybe were that fringe Division One guy uh, or maybe they were the fringe uh, Power 5 guy, you know, that like, man, I just think I can play at the highest level or – you know, whatever there, it's like, uh, and some guys are just like, Hey man, I, I was stuck behind that guy. You know, I just didn't have an opportunity to, um, to get over the hump in high school. Um, you know, and so junior college is an opportunity to go get, you know, whatever it is, 200 at bats a year or, uh, you know, uh, 50 to a hundred innings, depending on, you know, starter versus reliever, that kind of thing there. So, um, it's an insurance policy to buy themselves some time to, uh, see, you know, um, and how good can they be? Um, you know, and, and, and again, they got to go work, you know, so I think it's important to find the right place, uh, that's going to, that's going to allow them to maximize those, those talents and, you know, get in the weight room and get stronger. And, but again, it's, it, it buys them a year or two years to see, um, you know, what they're doing, uh, how good can they become? And then, you know what, then they bought two years and now they're kind of on a more even playing field because, we're trying to, you know, we have two classes here, the freshmen and the sophomores, you know, a little different with COVID and every now and then we get that third year guy and stuff like that, but it's a little more even playing field than that 18 year old that's trying to play, um, you know, versus the, the 22, 23 year old, uh, division one player. Uh, that's a grown man at that point. I and mean, I know it's like, well, it's only four or five years. Like, well, that's a massive four or five years. Um, and so I think it gives them an opportunity to like, and how good can I be? And we say all the time here at Eastern that, man, if you do your time right in Wilberton, you can pick the next place. You know, you come in and you gain the weight, and you, you, you get on the field and you play and you do all the things that, um, you know, that you want to do and you work at the level that you told me you wanted to work at. And obviously we worked at the level that we told you we would work at. Like, and you can kind of pick the next place. You know, you can turn down some really good places, uh, to say, uh, no, that's the place that fits me the best. And that's the, the program that, that, that gets me to where I want to go. So, um, I think it's a, a huge deal for, you know, if you're a freshman that can go play at the division one level right away and you're an impact guy and you're in, yeah, go do that, man. Four years at that place or three years, if you're lucky enough to get drafted is significantly better than one or two in junior college. I, I'm fully aware of that. But if you're like, yeah, I don't know, man, the glitz and the glamor and the cool t-shirt and the cool signing day and all that, that, that wears out pretty quick when you're not playing. Uh, and then you're looking for a next place and you're trying to do that and, uh, sometimes it's better to, hey, let's go to junior college. Let's put our hard hat on and go to work. You know, let's do the work. And then, you know what, when I get there, I'm ready to play, uh, not I'm just there. Um, and, and, and hopefully, you know, a lot of people see that about junior college and especially the really good junior colleges that are developing players and helping them get better is that, man, I, they're ready when they get there. You know, they're automatic. They just walk in the door and, like, they're expected to perform and expected to play. And they can be because – they are ready because they did have all that experience versus and the, the, the guy that uh, just didn't get his opportunity. You know, um, you know, as a freshman, well, how'd you get better? You got five at-bats. You know, like, did you did you really get better in those five at-bats? And now you're trying to do it as a sophomore. Well, they just brought in another class of freshmen. I think, like I said, I just think it's an insurance policy for a lot of guys that have the opportunity to, to play at the highest level and, and to get better. 
as far as recruiting freshmen go, sorry, recruiting high school seniors to be, you know, true freshmen in college, uh, what is your recruiting timeline? And I want to ask this because I think that the recruiting process is out of control at this point where you have eighth graders, ninth graders that are committing to power fives. And, and a lot of times, you know, a lot of division one programs are done recruiting by the time high school kids are, are sophomores, whether it's the fall of sophomore year, spring, summer, after sophomore year, like high school juniors, a lot of times, if a kid is a late bloomer, they might not even have a division one opportunity because division one schools are done, you know, particularly if it's not like a, you know, like a guy who, who all of a sudden grows to be six, five and is now throwing 94 miles an hour. Like that's different. But if you're, if you're kind of a middle tier player and you're on the same level as a player next to you, who's going to that really good division one program, like you might not get an opportunity just because you sort of physically matured two years later than your buddy next to you, even though you're just as talented as he is. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, but for recruiting timeline purposes and for parents out there who, frankly, they panic when when their kids and kids too, like they don't, it's like they panic if they're not committed by a certain period of time. What is your general timeline? Like when's the earliest you recruit high school players? When's the latest you would recruit a high school player? And I want to say this again, just to kind of give people an idea that like, it's not too, you might think it's too late, but it's not. There's still a good college program out there where you can play and have a ton of success and have a great career and it might not be where you thought you were going to play as a freshman or sophomore in high school, but it's still a pretty good opportunity. Can you kind of talk talk us through your recruiting timeline? Yeah, sure. I, I think yeah, I think it's definitely out of control. Uh, you know, and I always joke that I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm a good enough recruiter uh, because I, I have a hard time looking at that seventh or eighth grader and deciding anything other than like, hey man, they ought to be like just now putting their toys away, you know, and things <laughs> like that. I just I'm not that good of a recruiter. I guess I can't look that far down the road. Um, you know, so the latest will recruit a player. Let's just start there. Uh, whatever day, the last day to like register for class at Eastern is, that's the last day that we'll stop recruiting that, that current class. Um, because you know what, like if, if there's still a good player out there that, that needs a place to play and like we can have them enrolled in school and, and, and ready to go, then you know what, that's, you know, that's typically whatever it is, four or five days into school. Uh, you know, that's the last day that we'll, that we'll take a guy. Um, the, when do we start recruiting them? Uh, you know, I, obviously I get phone calls and, you know, there's a lot of people that'll tell you about, you know, Hey, this, this junior over here, this sophomore over here. And, you know, we're, we're, we're a little bit more ahead right now, uh, in recruiting. So, um, I've, uh, you know, we've started looking at, you know, currently the 23 class and we have a few commitments here and there. Um, but you know, and really it's, 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 we're again we're different than a lot of people like i'm not in a big hurry because i just think a lot changes between now and then and uh i'm the guy that if i tell you something and we agree to it then we agree to it and i'm i'm gonna stick by that you know what and if so if i get into a deal with a sophomore and like yep that's what i'm gonna do and we're gonna do this and all that and then turns out two years later they haven't gotten any better and now I, I feel obligated. You know what? I gave you my word, and I told you I was going to do that. And so um, I, that's where I've I've always made the joke to to coaches that whenever they call me, like I got a sophomore, I got a you know I got a a freshman or whatever. I, you know I always joke that I hopefully it's not true, but hopefully it is a joke that you know that I'll be dead or fired by the time that guy's old enough to play for me. <laughs> uh, 
you know, and like I said, I hope, hope neither one of those are true, but um, I just, yeah, I'm going to put them on the board and I'm going to keep tracking them. And when I go out this summer, if I see that guy playing, like, yeah, you know what, that guy, his coach called me about him. He is a good player. And I'm going to, you know, like, Hey man, good job or whatever. Uh, that kind of thing. But we're really not in a hurry. Um, you know, like we're still pretty hot and heavy right now on the 22 recruiting class. Um, obviously as, as success happens and, you know, that timeline speeds up a little bit because people, you know, will call you and they do want to be a part of it and they, they do want to hear about it and, and all that. But, um, you know, we've still got, I don't know, probably eight to 10 spots that we're, we're still actively trying to fill for the 22 season. And here it is, you know, April, whatever, fourth, uh, you know, uh, so we're not in a big hurry um, to, to do that. And I think there's a lot of people that are pressuring you and telling you that you got to make a decision and, you know, even some of my guys right now, we've got some really good players that are still available uh, that are going to wind up playing Division One baseball uh, that are still available right now out of junior college. And you know, there's some people telling them right now, like, "We well, gotta, you gotta go and you gotta make a decision." And I've told all of them, like, "Hey, man, if you find the right fit, like, let's make that decision and go do that." Um, but ultimately, if you don't find the right fit, like, just just keep playing well. And like, it's crazy because, I mean, you know, through your time in college baseball, those guys uh, are gonna you know, the draft's going to happen. And then magically all of a sudden I'm going to get a ton of phone calls going like, we need this and we need that. And what do you have available? And all that money that they told everybody was going to be gone by the time, uh, this occurred, you know, if you don't, if you don't make a decision right now, I mean, we can't guarantee we'll have that money and maybe that place won't have money, but you know what? Somebody will. And somebody, somebody that, that fits your level of play will have money. And if you're that good of a player, uh, there's a place for you in college baseball whether it's Division One, Division Two, whatever level you're supposed to be at, I am of the belief that you will wind up there, um, you know, and that you will have that opportunity. Uh, so I think anybody that's giving you the high-pressure sales pitch of, like, got it, you know, got to, got to decide now, got to decide now. Like, man, I, I, we've never done that with our people. Uh, we've always kind of been the, hey, what's your timeline? And when are you trying to make a decision? And we're honest about, hey, while you're looking at other places, man, we have to look at other players too. You know, we, we can't get caught waiting on you and then, like, thinking we got a shot and then all of a sudden you decide you're going somewhere else. And now I don't have anything going like, obviously, you know, we're, we're still recruiting too, but you know what? I, I, I think the right decision for the player is the right decision for Eastern, you know? And so for me to pressure them, and I think, you know, if, if we started pressuring folks and pushing them and Hey man, I don't know if that money's going to be there, you know, tomorrow or whatever, like ultimately if I started to do it that way, I think we would get more commitments faster, but I also think we would like, get more bad commitments faster like we would get the wrong people uh in here and and you know the old saying of like you gotta get the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus like well part of the reason you get the wrong people on the bus is because you like rushed them around to get on the bus uh rather than like showing them the bus and letting them make a decision uh i think that's where um you know i, I just I, I think it has sped up and everybody thinks you got to do something you got to do and there's plenty of plenty of time into your senior year you know, even even that early signing period, sometimes people panic right after the early signing period during their senior year. And there's a reason that like coaches are still out watching games, you know, in the spring of your senior year is because they're still looking for that diamond in the rough. They're still looking for that guy that's developed. Uh, they're still looking for that person uh, to get there. And, and I think that's true at all levels. That's what what you said a few minutes ago is one of the things that I like to tell people about junior college as well is that if you, especially if you are a late bloomer and maybe you feel like you can play at a certain level, 
but you're in whatever the whatever level that is, but you're not getting that offer right now. It's just because more than likely they're already done recruiting your class. But if you go to a junior college, you not only have a second chance, but when when that just say it's we'll just stick with the division one level just because it's the, it's the easiest I guess for me to kind of relate to. But if a division one school has a guy drafted, whether it's a high school player or one of their juniors, and that he gets drafted and signs, and they weren't totally expecting or didn't know if it was going to happen, and they need to fill a, or someone transfers. You know, that happens a ton with the transfer portal now. Like someone transfers in, in one reason or another, a Division One school has a roster spot opened, like for this coming fall, for three months from now, all of a sudden we have a roster spot open. They're not going to the high school ranks because th- there's nobody left at that point that's that quality, but they will potentially go to a junior college because you might have some players left that can play for them. So, um, that's a story I, I like to tell people a lot with kind of last minute recruiting for division ones. Obviously they can go to the transfer portal and grab somebody else, but you know, they're the transfer portal doesn't just include people leaving other division ones because a lot of times when a guy leaves a, a school, a four year to a four year, like there's something, there's something there and you got to find out what that something was, but you go to junior college in order, like you're trying to leave there. You're, you're, you're going there for a year or two you know, with the expectation you're going to leave. It's a little bit of an easier recruiting, uh, you know, trail for me as a Division One coach to go to a junior college and say, who do you have, as opposed to going to the transfer portal and trying to figure out what this kid's baggage is, you know, and, and mm-hmm. trying to make a quick yeah, decision. Sure. Um, Matt, do you have time for me to ask you one more question? I know we're, we're probably over time here. But yeah, do you have time no, for one absolutely. more? Okay. Yes, just to, along the lines of what we were just talking about, um, I, I'd like to also just kind of ask about uh, – do you feel <laughs> does panic mode ever sit in with you guys for a lack of a better way to say it? So, so you, you don't rush guys and, and you're not like in a hurry to sign guys. You, you still have quite a few roster spots left for 2022s and it's currently April of 2022. Whereas most people that, that aren't like on the inside would think like, this is really late. Do you, do you guys ever feel like by waiting that you miss out on a lot of players as opposed to trying to sign that freshman or sophomore who's already really good. And just like on the surface looks like they are a projectable player and, and uh, you know, projecting guys can get dangerous, but that's what the schools that are signing guys as eighth, ninth graders, even 10th graders. That's what you're doing. You're you're projecting what they're going to look like in three to six years, I guess, or, or whatever the timeline is. But do you ever feel like, do you ever feel like, oh my gosh, if we don't get this guy now, then our our competition's going to get him, or he's just not going to be available? And those, you know, the the big time arm, the big time bat is not going to be available because by the time we see him, he's already committed. Like, how how do you balance that, you know, with trying to put together the best roster, but also, but you know, not not like reaching and getting guys too early, and knowing that you can your your, your timeline is going to be later than a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of four year schools. Sure. I, I mean, I'll say this, like, yeah, it, it, there's times that you watch a guy and, and obviously like if a kid wants to make a decision, I mean, that's how we got the 23s, you know, already was they have seen us play. Uh, they, they know us, you know, from some way, shape or form. Uh, they've reached out or their coach reached out. Hey, coach, man, he, he's interested in you guys and likes what you're doing. Are you interested? Sure. Like, yeah, send him out. Like, we'll talk to him. Uh, and then from there, um, hey, we, we go through the visit and do everything there. And, we kind of give them the same thing. Like, Hey man, like, I don't know what your timeline is, but 
whenever that is, uh, if you're ready to make a decision, um, let us know. Uh, well, you know what, if that guy calls and says, Hey coach, man, I love everything about it. Like I'm ready to make a decision now. Uh, well, we have to make a decision on, are we ready to kind of put our money where our mouth is? Uh, you know, are we, are we in that spot? And if the answer is yes, then okay, great. Like, let's get it done. Um, the answer is, you know, no, it's like, well, Hey, we're going to get out and see you play, uh, you know, here soon and, and all that stuff. But we typically don't have a tremendous amount of those underclassmen on visits, um, too early there. Uh, just, it's just how, how it works for us in junior college. Um, I, you know, do I get nervous at times when I see, you know, somebody else gets, you know, um, a couple 24 commits already, or, you know, uh, you know, maybe some really good 23s that, you know, Hey man, like we were ready to, we were going to set that guy up on a visit, but now he's committed over there. It's like, uh, do, do I panic on that? Like, ah, yeah. I mean, human nature sets in and you're like, Oh, son of a gun. We, we might've missed that one or whatever, or man, we drug our feet and we didn't get that one done. But I also think too, that, um, I probably don't panic as bad there as I would panic if we had the commitment and they turned out to not be as good as what we thought, or, um, you know what, uh, we had that commitment and now continue to get better. And now, you know, we spend more time trying to almost re-recruit them, uh, from the division one school that's now in there going, Hey, like you, you know what, you were a late bloomer. Uh, now we're, we're trying to get in there a little bit kind of thing. And, um, uh, so I, you know, it's kind of catch 22, you know, which, which kind of panic would you like to have? Uh, but I think for junior college wise, I think there's still a lot of time, you know, going into that, that current year's recruiting class. Like right now we're in the 22 recruiting class. You know, there's still so many good players. You know, we're in a great area here in Oklahoma where, I mean, uh, small schools in our area that don't play football, they actually play fall baseball as well. So they have a fall baseball season and a state championship and all of that. And then they have a spring baseball season and a spring state championship. And these guys get to play a lot of baseball. So there's a lot of like guys that get better over the course of time because they play all the time. And so, um, it's an opportunity for us to, to continue to do that. Plus, you know, obviously like we're going to get, um, you know, our fair share of phone calls, you know, in the summer of, of, of whatever class we're currently in, you know, with those transfers or, you know, people that maybe see the polls, you know, and, and start looking around going, man, maybe I should look at this junior college, maybe a good option. And, you know, I, I, I sent the top five teams in the country an email. Um, okay, great. Well, you know, for us, like it's, there is panic in there. Cause you know, I, I, people ask me like, well, when do you really want the kid to decide, you know, when would you really, and my answer is yesterday, you know, <laughs> I would like to have it done. I, 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 I sleep better at night knowing that like, all right, great. Like we're, we're pretty good next year. Let's get on with that. Uh, but I also know too that, um, again, getting the wrong people, you know, because you pushed them is, is not the right answer either. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it makes for some, some stress in there a little bit, but, uh, it's always worked out for us. It's always, you know, and, and, and again, we don't just sit on our hands. You know, we're not just sitting at the, at the house going like, man, I hope somebody calls. Um, and it, there's a, it's a constant work and, uh, it's a constant, um, you know, process to try to, uh, stay in touch and find out, you know, who's available. And, hey, you know what? That guy got better. Let's go see him right now. And let's go do this and let's go do that. Um, you know, let's get out there and see this guy getting better. And does that guy continue, you know, okay, great. He's a little more sure bet because we didn't get him as a freshman or as a sophomore or junior, but man, that guy's gotten significantly better. Now let's take a, take a flyer on this guy. And, um, because he has gotten better. So, um, I, I think there is a panic there a little bit, but I, again, I don't know. 
which panic is worse having the wrong guy you know and going like man i i'm i told the guy i mean i told him i would do this for him now i'm obligated to that which some people probably aren't like that you know and would just go like hey man it was it was kind of the verbal deal and like you didn't get better so we don't have it um i'm not that way in junior college uh and so um i i just i would rather have the and I, I just think we're going to find enough players or be able to develop the ones that we have. If we have the right people, they'll they'll develop uh, into the right players that we can kind of kind of push around a little bit there. Uh, I think I think that works best for us. This has been a really remarkable podcast for me and a, and a lot of fun. This is Matt Parker, everybody, who's the head baseball coach at Eastern Oklahoma State College, uh, a really successful junior college program that uh, we're just we're really lucky to have you here today's podcast has been brought to you by southern timber wood bats uh coach parker i just want to sincerely thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing all that you did there were things here that i really wanted to get into that we didn't get to talk about but i hope that just means that we can have a part two at some point but i really appreciate your time today yeah jeff i appreciate we, we appreciate what you do with figured out baseball and um you know all the resources that you guys are providing and, and i think that's that's huge for, uh, you know, for coaches, yes, but for, for parents and players, you know, too, that are just trying to, uh, you know, kind of navigate waters that, man, this may be the only time they ever have to do it. You know, uh, this is our only son or daughter. Uh, well, this is this is all I do for a living. Uh, you know, so I, we want to help out any way we can and make that. It should be a, uh, you know, it should be a good time. You know, people, I hear people all the time that say, like, oh, I'll just be ready when this is over. And I hate that so bad when I hear that about the recruiting process because it should be you worked really hard to get to this point. Like you should, it should be exciting that people like you and that people do call you and that people want to see you play and that people want to. Um, and so, you know, I think what figured out baseball is doing is a providing, you know, the younger kids, the videos that, that they can get better at and, and, and they can work on their skill set. I think that's awesome. But then I think the podcast and being able to answer questions about the timelines and the processes and things like that, because uh, again, this is what we do. Sometimes I take it for granted that like, what do you mean you don't know that? Uh, and it's like, why would they know that? There's things about their job that I don't know anything about. Uh, and so uh, I think this is awesome to, to try to help out. Hopefully we've, we've helped out uh, somebody, and, and if there's ever a chance to do part two, I would, I would definitely be interested. Awesome. We need to schedule that sometime soon. Good luck the rest of the way. An amazing start to the season, and wish you the, rest, uh, the, the most success that your team can possibly have the rest of the way. Thanks, Jeff.